If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I'm so excited to be joined today by managing editor and senior NFL reporter at the Draft Network, Carmen Vitale. Carmen talks about writing at the age of four and how it became her passion while talking about the importance of speaking up. She also talks about working for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what it was like to be in an organization that fosters an empowering environment for women. And so, so much more. This episode is amazing. So let's get to it. Carmen, welcome to the Get My Job podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've been super excited to have you on. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. I'm so excited to be here. I've been a fan of the podcast, so... Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That always, you know what? Flattery will get you everywhere. So thank you very much. <laughs> well, let's let's jump on in, have our listeners hear about you and your professional journey. As we know, you are now the managing editor and senior NFL reporter for the Draft Network. I know you used to work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but if you could share with our listeners kind of how you got to where you are today. Uh, yeah, well, it's, I guess it probably started like really far back when I was a kid and um, I was really, I loved watching football with my dad, with my uncles, my cousins. And I remember very distinctly realizing that there were people that were on the sideline or around the team that weren't players or coaches. And I asked my dad about them one day and he was like, well, He's like, there's a lot of people that work for a team. He's like, you could work for a team. And at that point, I had been writing my little five-year-old stories or whatever it was about Sparkle the Mermaid. And he was (laughs) like, oh, you can write stories about your favorite football team. And I was like, really? So from that point on, I kind of like had this, I guess, loose goal of wanting to be a, a sports writer. And I was on my school newspaper in high school. And then I went to school at Arizona State's Walter Concrete School of Journalism and Mass Communication, got accepted there did journalism school there. Um, and while I was there, I kind of fell into sports information and became like stat nerd for Sun Devil Athletics and focused primarily on football to no one's shock. Um, <laughs> then I had to... They, did, they didn't have Sparkle the Mermaid because well, I have so many questions about that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, Sparkle, Sparkle and the, her many adventures. Um, she came in contact with a lot of magical creatures. And, uh, no, my parents, for some reason, not to get off on a tangent, but my parents, for some reason, thought it was a good idea to put a computer in the room of a four-year-old. Um, and back then, just dating myself, but, like, internet wasn't a thing really yet. Like, it was, but, like, it wasn't. Like, my dad had the computer with the internet. My computer did not have the internet. And so I would use it to write stories. I would type out stories. Um, 
That's awesome though. That's, that's actually a great kind of origin story to what you're doing. Cause it just shows it was, it was kind of your calling yeah. at four or five to be doing that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I started on, you know, and I was like, work my way up to writing like little chapter books and like I don't even know where any of these stories ended up I'm sure that hard drive doesn't exist anymore but uh it set me up to do what I'm doing now and I found my I don't know my love and my passion for the game of football and when I was growing up too it was like the closest I felt like I could get to the game was through writing about it and covering a team or covering the league um I, I love it you know I'm sure we'll get into this later but like seeing women coaches and scouts and front office personnel, like that wasn't something that was very widely seen or available when I was growing up. So this was the closest I could get to football. And um, I even took a detour after college uh, into Major League Baseball because I found some opportunities there. I interned with the Dodgers in their PR <gasps> department. Yes, I am out a in LA. Diehard, as you know, and I'm a diehard Dodgers fan. Well, you follow me on Instagram. So anybody who follows me knows that. So you said, it's like you just said the magic words. Yes. It's like, <gasps> you said Dodgers. I was with them in the, for the 2013 season, uh, made it all the way to the NLCS. And that was a lot of fun. Got mm-hmm. some, you know, great experience. And that actually parlayed me into an internship with the White Sox. And it brought me home to Chicago. And simultaneously, I also got into Northwestern's Master's of Sports Administration program. So I uh, went and got my master's because I hadn't, I had to kind of wait a while to get like my first full-time job in sports. And it wasn't necessarily what I thought I had even wanted to do. Um, because as I was graduating from Northwestern, I had a friend at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they had a job opening for a marketing communications coordinator, which was a glorified copywriter essentially. And given my journalism background, I'm very well-versed in grammar and AP style and all that kind of stuff that companies need, you know, they, they need someone that's able to speak on behalf of the organization for various marketing materials and radio ads and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's where like my first full-time job came, like after going through grad school, like going through multiple internships. Um, and it wasn't where I thought I wanted to be. But then the Bucks were, um, there was like kind of a transitionary period with their digital department. And I offered to start writing stories for the website. And then it partly, then it became what I, you know, I did for four seasons for them, which was cover the team and actually be a sports writer. So it was like a really, there's like the path to like your career goals is just never a straight line. And that was especially true for me. (laughs) And I was, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was going to stop you there for a minute because you said a couple things in there that I just think are really important to highlight. One, it wasn't necessarily where you thought you wanted to be, but it was, an opportunity. It was a good opportunity. Yes. It's not, it wasn't, you know, that far off, but it was a good opportunity. So you took it and then there was a transition and you asked to write stories. And that's the other thing I really want to highlight because I think a lot of times as women and even not as women starting in our careers, but a lot of times as women, when we start in our careers, sometimes we can be, I don't know if the word is afraid to ask for those opportunities or are they going to laugh at me, whatever it may be. And I think that's just also being like young and starting your career, but you asked and it kind of changed your entire career trajectory. It sounds like, so kind of, if you can talk about that and if that was a natural thing, if it was a hard thing for you to ask, or if it was just like, Oh, there's a transition. How can I help? Yeah, no, I, again, like growing up with my, like my, my dad has just been such a big influence in my life where um, he always encouraged me to speak up. He always encouraged me to like, he never, 
you know, tried to say, oh, I don't know if football is the right thing for you to do. I don't know if sports are the mm-hmm. right thing for you to do. Like he never tried to pigeonhole me into any sort of um, traditional gender norm interests rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't, I wouldn't say that it was natural for me to ask, but I think especially with waiting as long as I did and having to be patient and kind of, you know, feeling like I was already, which is so it's, it's, it, it was, it was not a rational thought, but like that I was already kind of behind the curve because I was 27, 28, just getting my first job, um, in sport, full-time job in sports. Like I felt like I had some making up to do. So I kind of forced myself to ask for opportunities and stuff like that. Um, and at that point too, I had been with the Bucks for two years. So there was a comfort level there. Um, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I, I went in right and was just like, I want to do this. And I like what it was, I was very lucky to have a boss that was, that would ask me, you know, kind of my long-term goals and what I wanted to do. And so I, they created, they fostered an environment there, which made it easier for me to speak up. I feel like, um, mm-hmm. uh, otherwise it is, it's really, really hard <laughs> to mm-hmm. like, to ask for what you want and, and sometimes even know what you want. Um, but I just, I, I really thank the Bucks for allowing me that flexibility to make that transition. And I mean, honestly, and I'm not, pulling myself into thinking either that it wasn't born out of need for them too, right? Like that part of it was identifying something that they were like the digital department had like two or three people leave um, and they, they just simply needed bodies. And so it was kind of like taking advantage of that situation. And that was the one thing too, where I was like, okay, the stars are aligning a little bit. Like there's mm-hmm. a, there's an obvious need. I have that skill set. This is what I want to do. Like it was just a really like right place, right time, right environment type of thing. But I, I encourage everyone to speak up, you know, with like, that's what I, I've told many people, like, listen, like ask for what you want, because the answer is always going to be no, if you don't ask. But I realized mm-hmm. that it's very hard to do that. And the circumstances for me were right that I felt comfortable. Um, and now it's, but then I've learned from that, right? I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I spoke up, I got to do what I want to do. And so now like, I'm a little bit more inclined to speak up for things that I want. Um like going forward because it's like, I want it paid off and it worked out. So I'm now incentivized to keep doing so. And sometimes you can speak up and the answer may be no then, but right. it's not, it's a good kind of look to your bosses that you did, you know, yeah. cause something else, something changed three weeks down the road, three months down the road. And, you know, people can come back to you and say, no, you were interested in doing this and an opportunity is open. So I do, you know, I encourage speaking up appropriately um, because you just never know. Right. Even if it's no in that moment, it may not be no forever. Correct. And again, like, a, you know, the answer is always no, and no one's going to know. No, people aren't mind readers. Your bosses aren't mind readers. Your coworkers aren't mind readers. Like, let it be known. You know, I, I'm not mm-hmm. like, it, this isn't, I don't know, it, it, you don't play hard to get when it comes to jobs. <laughs> right. That's really good. That's a great, that's a great, great saying. That's awesome. I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, so you're with the Buccaneers for several years, mm-hmm. you're writing, and then how did the Draft Network come about? Yeah, well, I had um, the privilege of meeting Paige Demakos, who is the CEO of the Draft Network. Her and I connected first on social media, which is such a powerful tool for as much um, as, you know, there are bad things about it and cons and being so active on social media, there are some incredible pros and I've met some incredible people, yourself included, um, you know, with, with being on social media. And so Paige and I connected because we're both from Chicago originally. And so we had this, I don't know, this bond already. And then we met each other in person at the, at the senior bowl, I believe in 2018, 2019. 
all the years blend together these days. Of course. Um, and we hit it off. And the I pandemic just, did that. Oh my gosh. I like, yeah, the last two years, I'm like, wait, no, that was six months ago. No, whatever. But yeah, uh, she, uh, she was, she, talk about, you know, going after what you want. She was very vocal from like, the very beginning of, she's like, you know, as soon as this, the opportunity is right, I want you to come, you know, work with us. And she was not shy about the fact that, you know, she wanted me to come and, and kind of essentially join forces um, at the draft network. And so kind of like, you know, after I was actually really contemplating it prior to the Bucks getting Tom Brady in March of 2020. And then like <laughs> the pandemic also hit and I was like, okay, like this isn't really the time to be like making any sort of moves. And then obviously like with Tom there, I was like, I would be really dumb to leave at this point. Um, so I was like, no, I mean, and she was totally understanding. Um, and then, you know, I stuck it out for actually another year after the Bucks won the Super Bowl too. But then it just, it it came time. Like you just kind of realize, or you just kind of know when it's time to move on and do something different. And that's kind of the place that I ended up at because I definitely wanted to get more into NFL coverage. And again, where opportunity meets need, the draft network you know, it, we're called the Draft Network. We call it TDN for short because it's now not just the draft. It's not just, we're not just covering the NFL draft. It's also a lot of NFL coverage and they're wanting to kind of boost their NFL coverage and, and beef that up a little bit. So again, like it just, that was like the right time. And I'm like, well, I can do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I want to start, you know, covering the whole league. So now I've been in it for a couple of months and it's definitely different. And I felt a little bit overwhelmed in the very beginning because my first week was the NFL Combine, which was ambitious of me, to say the least. (laughs) Uh, I started a brand new job in Indy. Um, Mm -hmm. I was almost paralyzed by the amount of things I could now write about. I just, I was Mm -hmm. paralyzed by choice or whatever that phrase is, paralyzed by options. Um, (laughs) And so now I'm, I'm getting, I'm building myself a curriculum, going division by division and learning about each team. Because I was in my little Bucks Bucks bubble for the last six mm-hmm. years, uh, but yeah, <laughs> they're funny. they're a wonderful company that fosters a lot of growth, and um, the sky's kind of the limit. You know, it's it's kind of just up to you to execute your ideas, but they're very willing and able to help you execute them. So that's I'd love to talk a little bit about the curriculum and learning about every team because I think you know that's something starting with a team is so much, it's such a great opportunity, and I know you were. I mean, you had the internships and the other teams or other things you were doing, but, you know, working for a team is such a great opportunity because you do really get the ins and outs of an organization and what it's like to work for an organization. You get to really understand what it's like for the athletes, the coaches, all of these things. But then, yes, it's kind of like you spread your wings and fly. And then there are 31 other teams that you have to know about. So I I feel like I'd love to hear a little bit about the curriculum. And then when it comes to kind of what you want to write about, how do you narrow it down? Or at this point, is it more about kind of learning the league and then moving on a little bit? Yeah. Well, the other good thing about the position that I took is as a managing editor was that it allowed me some time to study. Right. So I've Mm -hmm. been, I've taken a step back on content um, or Mm -hmm. self-produced content where, and I'm editing others and actually through, you know, we have so many great writers, scouts at at the draft network that are so knowledgeable that, I've internalized a lot of information just from reading their stuff um, mm-hmm. and editing it and, you know, making it look all nice and posting it to the website. 
So that's let me kind of start building my knowledge base um, outside of the books. As far as the content I produce now, I'm kind of, I've been kind of following a pattern of um, an article that has something to do with another team that I'm learning. Um, mm-hmm. And then an article, usually I still do an, one article a week about the books. Uh, if there's something that has happened um, or just kind of a more of a philosophical, like posing a more philosophical question. And then the third article that I write a week is usually something along those lines of a philosophical, like broader scope question. Like the other week I did, how many receivers do teams really need to carry these days now that 11 personnel and, you know, this past happy league is such a, you know, is so prevalent or, you know, 11 personnel is so prevalent mm-hmm. where you have three receivers on the field at all times. Um, do you need to carry more wide receivers? And I, it's really great because working for a team, getting the ins and outs, you also get to know the staff, you get to know the players. So in having these discussions internally with myself, like posing these questions, I can then go to the source and like, I can ask a wide receivers coach in the NFL that I know, or I can ask a player Mm -hmm. that is a wide receiver and be like, do you feel like it's this or a scout or someone, you know, some sort of evaluator um, that's an authority on the subject. And I can kind of bounce those conversations and ideas off of them. And that's what, I'm trying to lean on as I kind of go forward in studying every team. It's like, you know, there's these broader NFL type questions that I have a really wonderful network that supports me and will always take my call and will always let me badger (laughs) them with text messages just to talk football. Uh, And that's where I get a lot of my ideas and information. And it's, I, you know, it was, it's just, I can't say enough about that experience. And then now trying to broaden my horizons um, it's come through more than I can ever ex- express, really. So you, you've you been actually also in a really fortunate position in that you're working, you have a female CEO mm-hmm. of a sports content network, which is obviously something dear to my heart and is amazing. And you also worked for an, an organization that is really known for hiring women, empowering, empowering women. I'm having trouble getting that word out. Empowering <laughs> women. Uh, and that's really kind of incredible in this industry to have those two experiences. Can you kind of talk about that time with the Bucks and then, you know, in, in where you are now? And do you see do you see a marked difference when you look around the rest, rest of the league? Yeah. Um, the Bucks again, yes, they're, they have so many programs getting women involved in the actual game of football. They, you know, from, from the early levels, right? Like building the pipeline, mm-hmm. which is, it's not enough to, you know, make diversity hires and stuff at this level. You need to have a good candidate pool because you don't want anybody getting a job just because they're a woman or just because they're a minority or what, whatever it is. You want people to be experienced and you want them to, be the best candidate because those people exist, but you need to broaden your candidate pool and therefore you need to kind of attack the pipeline as well and make sure that the pipeline is bringing in and providing opportunities for people at every level of the game. So the Bucks, you know, do so many good things with girls flag football, which is the number one growing sport in high school sport in Florida. And then just in, in the front office, there's women executives and I mean, right. And that's, you know, that's kind of more on the business side of the building too but then you look at the football side and then you had Bruce Arians and everything that he has done for women in the sport, hiring two female coaches. Um, one of which we're all far. She just got promoted. And I'm like, I was so stoked for her because she is just anyone you talk to. She is the most incredible. She's so overqualified. She has this physical therapy background, a doctorate in physical therapy, but then she's a strength coach. So it's like, 
she's got the best of every single world you could possibly want. And I mean, like the coaches, players, they just all rave about her and her, her, everything paid off because she got promoted this, this off season. And I just, it was so nice to be in a building though, on the football side, on the business side, where like, I wasn't necessarily looked at as a woman and I wasn't, um, I didn't feel like it anyway. I mean, it, regardless, I, I may have been, who knows, but I really felt like there was nothing I couldn't talk about. There was nothing I couldn't do. There wasn't anywhere I couldn't go. There wasn't any question I couldn't ask. Um, and w- wasn't given like, you know, the respect or whatever. Like I was, I, I can't say enough about Bruce Arian's staff and how much they like took me under their wing. Um, and we're so willing and open to teaching me things. And I think that that's a really big strength of women because I feel like we are much more open about the fact that we don't know everything or we're much more willing to ask questions um, where I feel like there's, there's an ego aspect to this industry that kind of make get in the way of um, some of our male counterparts. I won't say all because there are a lot of obviously wonderful guys, but you know, I know that I don't know everything. And the more I learn, the more I feel like I don't know everything and I'm not afraid to ask those questions. So um, then coming to the draft network where it's very, very, I feel very empowered even more. Um, I struggle mm-hmm. really, really badly with imposter syndrome. I always have. And Paige is like, has like single-handedly made it her mission to like knock that out of me. <laughs> <laughs> She's so encouraging and she just gets it right. Like, I feel like women in this industry, like I say imposter syndrome and every single woman in this industry knows exactly what I mean. It's hard explaining that to men. I've tried. <laughs> I've tried explaining it to go like coaches being like, why are you, are you like, you know what you're talking about? Why are you like second guessing yourself? And I'm like, imposter syndrome. And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, wow, wish you like, I'm like, I wish I was like you and had no idea what that was. But, um, you know, it's something that is, I think we just all like really need to, that's why you need women in this industry that are in your corner because they're going to know exactly what you're talking about and they're going to know exactly how to lift you up and encourage you. Uh, Cause it's nuanced. And that's, that's really well said. And it's so true because it is something that I agree with you. We have all struggled with, and I, I don't think it's something that men in this industry have, <laughs> and it's not, and it's not a knock on men in the industry. No. It's well, very hard to understand something you've never had to deal with or never really understood. And it's kind of a little bit going back to you being comfortable enough to ask for the opportunity and ask for more opportunities. And when I was saying it at the time in this podcast, when I thought, well, maybe it's just people coming into the industry, but I, I think men do have a little more comfortability, which is pretty much a word I think I just made up, but I think there are comfortability. That's a word. I did make it up. Oh, well, I'd like to think I just made it up and got it trending, but fine. So the comfortability, uh, and just in asking, because there's a feeling that of course we're going to ask. And I think we should all have that feeling. Correct. And I love that that's Paige's mission, but imposter syndrome is a really real thing. And I wonder for our listeners, if when you have those moments, is there anything that you do, any technique you have to be like, okay, Carmen, you're here for a reason. Or do you just have to kind of remind yourself of that and, and keep it moving? I think, I mean, being able to identify that I have it uh, is is the number one thing because I can always kind of talk myself down. But honestly, I can't necessarily, I say that, I can't really necessarily talk myself down. I have people in my life that I will go directly to and be like, hey, I'm not feeling really great about this or I feel like I suck today or I can't whatever. And I have wonderful, wonderful people in my life um, that will lift me back up and basically like 
do the digital equivalent of smacking me across the face and just like, (laughs) shut up. You're very good. You wouldn't be where you're at if you weren't very good at your job and you wouldn't have the connections you do. You wouldn't have the network you do. Um, You know, you just like, you have to really kind of take a macro scope to your life and your career and realize how far you've come. And then that always makes me feel better. But honestly, like, I don't know if that's healthy to always need external sources. (laughs) But like, well, it's I very helpful. You're human. Right. So, I mean, I think ultimately in, in talking to you and you know yourself better than I do, but in talking to you, I think you do have the confidence that you are where you're supposed to be, but you're human and you're a female in a male dominated industry. And even though we're making men- tremendous strides there, it still is not untrue. And I think we all have our moments and it's really important to know, and I'm glad you brought it up, those people you can go to that can help lift you up because we all need that sometimes. And it, it brings up something I wanted to discuss about, you know, women helping women and being supportive of each other. And there's room for everybody. And, and I think what happened for many years is there were so few opportunities for women. There became this competitive nature and there are so many opportunities for all of us. And Helping someone else is is a really important thing to do. And whether that means lifting you up, whether that means recommending you, but also I think it's important as women and as people to acknowledge that sometimes we all have our moments and we all have our days and it's okay to need those external things because I think ultimately you do know, but it's very natural yeah. to get there. Let's turn this into a therapy. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Gosh, this is wonderful. Um, but I mean, and then honestly, I try to pay that forward though too, as much as possible. And the biggest compliment um, I can ever receive is for someone to trust me with themselves, either feeling like that or coming to me for, you know, either advice or just to vent even like to just trust me enough to, you know, like to, to, open up to me in in those ways. Like, you know, women that, um, either have been interns, like at the Bucks, like I have a, I had a really good little girl, girl group there, but I also did feel kind of like the big sister because a, I was older B it was like a lot of them had started as interns and you know, it, we, it just developed into this really great relationship and friendship. And so like the biggest compliment to me is having women, especially come to me and be like, Hey, I'm feeling like this. What do I do? Hey, like, you know, I need some encouragement or, Hey, I'm feeling like this. And to be able to pay that forward for some, for all this stuff that people have given me, um, is I, I love that. And I think that that's what women in sports, like we have, I know. My, so I don't know if you know, um, Jordan, she does the, she's so sporty, uh, apparel line. So it's, oh no, she, but I feel like I should because that sounds great right she, off the bat. So she just got like she's still in college. I think she just graduated, um, and she but she created these hoodies and the sports line for women in sports, and she has the anti or the women in sports social club hoodies. Um, if you've ever seen those go around, and it just it's funny though to me because I think that perfectly encapsulates like women in sports because we do have this very unique bond, and I feel like you can reach out to literally anyone even if they don't know you and instantly it's like, yes, let me tell you everything I know. Let me like, there's just a, there's, there's this bond of women in sports because we all go through the same things. And I feel like that really just kind of brings us all together. And that's an awesome thing. And I think that that can be used to your advantage um, in so many ways, just between networking and then also like hyping yourself up. 
Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And I would say with even with this podcast, when I, especially like when I first started and we hadn't, we didn't have, um, you know, any, it's not like I could be like, these people have been on it when I, but when I reached out to people in all that time, uh, we started this in 2019, so it's not super long, but it is a few years. Uh, only one person said no. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that that's really amazing. And there, I mean, I would reach out to these big names, cold tweet, you know, cold right. DM on sure. Twitter or on, on Instagram or, you know, reaching out to you the other day. And, and everyone has said, yes, absolutely. I'd love to be on. I'd love to, you know, to encourage women. And I think that says a lot. And I'm glad that we have, have come to that place. And it brings up a little bit of the topic of social media, which we talked about earlier. <laughs> and connecting with people. And I think it's an important thing to talk about because we as women certainly have to deal with a number of things that men do not. Sure. And we deal with, we deal with DMs that sometimes <laughs> are not welcome. Love put it that way. Maybe not welcome DMs. We deal with uh, comments about our appearance. We deal with comments about not knowing anything. I've, I've told the story on a podcast before I did a ticket giveaway years ago. I think it was my second year covering the 49ers, uh, maybe even my first. And I did a ticket giveaway and someone commented what I should give away with the tickets. So yeah. that someone would actually, well, I mean, all kinds of gross things yeah. and yep. you know, it could be tough. I mean, the first time I was called trash on social media, I actually was like, Oh, I've made it. <laughs> I know, right? good, thank you. Appreciate you, but it's, it's not a great feeling. And so for you, how do you deal with that? What are we, everybody does it in their own way, but how do you deal with all that? Stuff? Yeah, no, it's, it's really difficult. And it actually almost pushed me out of the industry entirely when I was first starting out. So when I was interning for the Dodgers, I was also writing for a Lakers blog called Lakers Nation, which is a huge, I mean, they're credentialed by the Lakers. Like they are, um, they're a very big entity and they were, nice enough to give a kid like me a chance to flex her writing skills a little bit um, in a foreign place. And I, they had a comment section enabled though on every article. So every article I wrote and like my pictures like smack dab next to everything, uh, the comments and especially because like, it's a blog, you want to get clicks. Like, so there's takes and there's hot takes and whatever. And like, that's fun of like sports discourse, especially if it's not hurting anyone. It's like, you know, silly little things or whatever. And I mean, I was just killed in the comments, like absolutely just the most like vulgar, even violent, like bordering on violent, like awful comments. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, here's me at 23 years old, like, you know, fresh out of college. I've enjoyed some success in the sports industry up until that point. All I want to do is write, um, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know if this is worth it though, because it was so hard for me. I wasn't confident enough in myself, especially cause I was just starting out, uh, to kind of like shield myself and be like, no, 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 you're great. You're great. You're great. You're fine. This doesn't mean anything. Like you don't have that confidence built up yet when you're first starting out. So that was really hard. And that's, I, I kind of went into the PR route even harder 
after that, which is my other internship with the White Sox. That was in their PR department, still stat nerd sports information stuff. But uh-huh. I wasn't sure that I wanted to subject myself to that. So that when I eventually did come back around and, you know, got the job with the Bucks where I transitioned into being their staff writer, I mean, a presence, an online presence was asked of me and becoming a uh-huh. personality on behalf of the team was asked of me. And I just remember being kind of terrified um, of what that would mean. And uh, I think very, like in the beginning, I very much tried to keep everything about the team. You know, I didn't really show my face a whole lot. Um, you know, just made it about like the, the players. And then, um, but like, you know, after a while, it was like, I would get really great content and these guys would play along with me so much. And so then like, you know, they would get me into it. And then like all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, if I want to build my own personal brand, um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do this. And I'm, and it was, it was a really, really hard decision. It's still hard every single day. Like I see those comments, I see the stupid DMS, I see them, but, and I think that there's this like taboo of like admitting that you've seen all that stuff. And it's like, no one wants to talk about like, oh, well, that goes to my requests folder. And I don't even look at my request folder. No, everyone looks at their request folder. Everyone yes, looks, of course. everyone looks at the DMs. Um, and you just have to tune it out as much as possible. And it's really hard sometimes. I'm not going to pretend like it's not hard sometimes. Um, and as someone who, you know, wants to be super confident and portray confidence and stuff, sometimes you just got to fake it till you make it. <laughs> Yeah, but that's, I think that's true. Yeah. And I think being able to admit that you see it and it does, sometimes it, it does bother you, but it, and I mean, not the universally you, but being able to move on and, and remembering that this is, it's real easy to say anything behind a screen. It is. And it's, it's not people that know you yeah. and, and it's not even about you. No. You know, anybody who's taking the time to say something awful or, or vulgar to somebody online, especially to someone they don't know, I mean, anything at, at all is that's on them. Correct. And that's their and show. you and you start to remember that. And I really do try to then like, go read some positive comments or something like that. Even mm-hmm. like, it never fails. And it's so unfortunate. But I think it's very um, human behavior to kind of latch on to the one negative comment, like you could have hundreds of wonderful comments. And then you know, you get the one negative one. And that's the one that sticks with you. And I think that kind of dispelling that as much as possible. Um, and, and realizing that like, look, look, look at the ratio here. <laughs> ratio, like hard numbers. Like if, if I can provide myself with like hard numbers that prove that I did something right, like that's the cure all for me pretty much is just the hard numbers. Which I think is, but that's smart. And that is something you can point to that, you know, you're real yeah, tangible correct. that you can point to. And, and I think that's really important. And that's the stuff that actually does matter. And that's, you know, that's why you are where you are. Um, this is changing gears somewhat, but, but maybe not because social media may play into this. Uh, what is a misstep you've seen women making when trying to break into the sports industry? Um, I mean, I think it actually does go full circle, not necessarily social media, but to asking and, and to, you know, putting yourself out there for something that maybe you're not totally qualified for according to the job description, um, or something like that. Like I, I love that stat. I don't know what the stat exactly is, but it's like men are however many times more likely to apply for a job that they're not, they don't meet all the qualifications for than women are. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that is, that it's absolutely true because I mean, I saw myself doing it when I was younger and applying for jobs like, Oh, I don't think I can apply for that because I've never used insert whatever application it is and it's like okay but something like that especially can be very can be learned 
and people are more than willing to teach you. It, like you get jobs based off your intangibles, uh, especially in this industry where there is so much competition for jobs, whether you're male, female, whatever it is. I mean, these jobs are very highly coveted and, um, you know, all you need to do is get a foot in the door and get a, you know, a seat at the table and a, a, an interview, even like even on the phone to showcase like what those intangibles are. And that's, what's going to set you apart. So never be afraid to like, go after something like that. And always, 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 always follow up with whoever's hiring. Like mm-hmm. you can't just send out job advocate. Like that was the biggest thing that I've seen a lot of people do like, Oh, they'll just send it out and you know, forget about it. And you apply for a job and you send it through teamwork online or you send it through indeed or whatever it is. It's like, no, do the work, find out who's actually hiring, reach out to that person. Even if they don't respond to you, at least you did it. And Mm -hmm. they might have seen your name, even if they didn't respond. And then your application comes up and they're like, oh yeah, that person reached out to me. You never know. So, Oh, absolutely. And that, I mean, people, that shows taking an extra step and people want to see that, that you're going to do that. How have you seen opportunities change and grow for women in the industry? And where do you think we can still improve? Um, well, I've been very lucky, like I was talking about a little bit before being at the box and seeing that, I mean, just firsthand getting to see women in these traditionally football, quote unquote, football roles, um, which was not something I ever saw growing up. Like I said, I got, I got it really into writing. I knew I was good at it, but it was also, I got into it because I thought it was the closest I could ever get to the game. Um, had I seen MJ uh, who's a strength coach or had I seen low locust who is the assistant defensive line coach, um, or God, Kelly Klein in Denver. She's one of my favorite people. Um, you know, in these front office roles being, you know, the right hand man of like the GM, like I might've gone a different route. I might've tried to get more into that. And even in the, it, at the box, they've gone now, we've had a few women scouts or female scouts right now. They have Shannon, um, who's fantastic. And, it's but it's like it's so commonplace though too at the same time like i saw it granted you're in a bubble and i was in the tampa bay bubble um so you don't necessarily even realize i I talked about that actually a lot with low where you don't even realize like how big of a deal it was because inside the building it's so normal and that's what you want um right and that's what i'm starting to see more and more and i think that's not only do we need people in these positions but it needs to not be news right like it needs mm-hmm, to not mm-hmm. be so super crazy that like, oh, there's another woman on a coaching staff or there's another woman on a scouting staff. It's just like, no, the Bucks added to their scouting staff. The person they added is named Shannon. Cool. Great. That's all. <laughs> like she comes yeah, with this background. That's it. Yeah. She comes with yeah. this background. She's done all these great things. Uh, we hire her because she's got an acute eye for this, the, that, and the other. Um, but nowhere in there is it like, oh no, diversity hire. Oh no, we need to hire a woman. Like it just, I, I, I can't wait for the day that it's not news. I could not agree with you more on that. And it's kind of funny that you say that because one of the things like I sometimes struggle with, you know, in favor when we're reporting the news, it is a big deal and we are really excited about it. But I always struggle with, do I want to make it that big? I don't, you know, because you you do want it to be normal, but we're not there yet. No, so we're not there yet. I think the way we get it to be normal is to make sure we're reporting it and giving it its due mm-hmm. and reporting it with excitement and, and everything that it deserves and get to that point where, you know, it is completely normal. Yes. Yeah. But I love going to things like the NFL combine or the senior bowl or whatever, and looking around and seeing that there's, there's a ton of women I'm looking everywhere and there's, there's women everywhere. (laughs) And especially being at the draft network, um, 
you know, uh, our social media coordinator, her name's Alex. Uh, we have our, our on-camera host, Brooke, um, and like, and Paige and I, and then Paige's like our communications manager, Courtney, like for being a small company, uh, there's a significant number of us that are women. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So um it's just it's a it's really cool to be part of that environment where again it's not seen as like something that is out of the ordinary. It's just these are the best people for the job. And yeah, yeah, like and again I think that the pipeline kind of plays into that too, where we just need to get more women um opportunities like in all levels, growing up, you know, middle school, high school, get them involved in the game in whichever that way they want to be. And I think that you'll realize that like you're going to have a huge candidate pool. I mean, half the NFL's fans are female. So yeah. the, the, the interest is there, but now we need to provide the pathway. It always shocks people when I tell them that. Um, Cause sometimes I tell them, you know, I've started people who maybe who just don't know. And I'll tell them about fangirl and why I started it. And they're like, are that that's, they're like, that's so cool. Are that many fans, women? I'm like 45% of fan base. That is, is hard, like, that's hard women. numbers I mean, that like the NFL uses like in their marketing materials and everything like that, like and sponsorships and everything. Like when they're coming up with campaigns of how to sell a team, like they are now taking into account that fact. So it's not hyperbole. It's not just like us skewing whatever. It's like, no, 45% of fans of the NFL are in fact female. <laughs> It's, it's really amazing. Somebody, a, a man obviously once said to me, you made that number up. Right. And I was like, I definitely did not, definitely did not, definitely did not make that number up. <laughs> definitely didn't. But okay. Thank you very much. Uh, and it's it. And then it's, you know, and, and the other, the other like quote unquote major sports also have very high female fan bases. I think, I think it then goes baseball, NHL, basketball. I think mm-hmm. I could be told it wrong in that order, but there, the, all those three, I believe are all within 30 to 32% of their fan base. And that's still a pretty high number. Absolutely. So it's not 5%, but it's, it's high. Um, so I, you know, I think it's interesting. And so, you know, we want to, we want to get those numbers even bigger and bigger. Um, so before we get to five fun facts, I would love if you could take us through a day in the life of Carmen Vitale. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, okay. So let's see. Well, I wake up and uh, probably around like seven ish. And I literally get like straight on Twitter, uh, social media, <laughs> because being part of being an editor is content ideation, actually. So of course, um, I sense. have I have writers underneath me that are writing for me that I'm editing their stuff, but they're also like, hey, what should I write about today? All this other stuff. So I have to stay very current. Not that my phone's not already glued to my hand. So right, <laughs> um, that's the first thing I do. And then, you know, get up and do the whole check my email thing. But the, the best thing I do in the morning um, is I, if I don't work out, or even if I do, I get a cup of tea and I make myself a cup of tea and I just sit there. Um, sometimes I scroll. Uh, I won't pretend like sometimes I'm not scrolling during it. But a lot of times I just kind of sit there and I look out the window at what's going on in the neighborhood or whatever, and just kind of be for 15, 20 minutes while I'm drinking my tea. Um, that really helps, honestly, just kind of set myself up for the day. And then uh, I do keep like a weekly, uh, I have a weekly planner, you know, write out everything that's coming up during the week to keep myself organized. And so I look what I have that day. Um, and then I just get to editing. So I'll edit stories as they come in. And then if I'm myself writing a piece of content that day or for that day, uh, I very rarely, I'm a procrastinator by nature, so I very rarely start articles <laughs> before the day or two. 
Um, but I, yeah. And then we have actually with TDN, we have a daily uh, 11 a.m. call with the entire team where we just pretty much, we, I mean, we talk about what's going on with the, you know, that week, um, or that day, but then we also get into some really awesome football conversations. So yeah. And then I, it's more or less that for the rest of the day. And, um, again, trying to keep up with social media and, all that kind of stuff it kind of makes it feel like you're never off, but that's why that kind of cup of tea is really, even if I am scrolling, I'm not scrolling anything about work. I'm scrolling like recipes or like really fun salads on TikTok. Uh, I'm really boring in that way and nerdy in that way. Um, and then at night, I, uh, I'll get done about 6 to 7 p.m. Um, there's some other, other articles that kind of come in, and but I take a break and eat dinner and hang out with uh, friends or family. And then I um, will usually go to bed and schedule all of the, we schedule out our tweets the day before. So I'll schedule out all the tweets for the day before. And then I will read. I read every night. And most of the time too, it's not about football. (laughs) I think it's good. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm reading the Paris apartment right now. It came in my book of the month club. Oh, I read it. Did you? It's good. Oh, yes, it's good. It's so oh, good. I, when you're done with it, we have to talk about it. Oh my it. gosh, it's, okay. It's good. I, yeah, yeah I good. love like fiction. I love little thrillers. I love just things that have like, it's books have always been kind of an escapism for me, um, mm-hmm. more so than anything else, like TV movies. I love those too, but books have always just been able to kind of transport me somewhere else. And I, you know, I mean, two, three hours will go by sometimes and I'm like, oops, I should probably go to bed. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, during the workday too, like like I said, the, the curriculum I'm starting to build, there will be a significant chunk kind of set aside for each division um, going week by week. So we'll see how that ends up going. But I'll be I should be I should be done by training camp. That's oh, amazing! Well, that's that's, I mean, that really is that's a good goal, and you don't really need to be done before then. So I think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this this has been awesome, Carmen. It's been just really. It's been fun to talk to you. It's kind of felt like I've just been sitting with a friend over yeah. tea or coffee and and chatting. Uh, so I, I really appreciate your candor and everything you've shared with us. So thank you for that. Uh, but before you go, we have to do five fun facts. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody who listens to podcasts is so sick of me saying this, but this is something I started with the 49ers players and we do it. It's a video and they get to just share you know, five things about themselves mm-hmm. that you wouldn't otherwise know. But on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions Lovely. and it's been great because we get so many different answers. So if you're ready, yes. five fun facts with Carmen Vitale. All right, Carmen, what is your favorite moment in sports? Okay. Um, I know that most people probably think that it was the Super Bowl, which it's definitely up there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I was never more emotional than uh, the NFC Championship game that preceded that game. It was up at Lambeau. Um, it was, you know, the pandemic season. I had actually gotten myself to Lambeau because there was no way that I was going to miss the Bucks playing in the NFC Championship game against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in a, you know, a January day, a snowy January day in Lambeau Field, um, which I'd only been to once before. So I was like, that game was, and it was, it was so high, like it was intense. It was really high stakes, obviously. Um, and at the end of it, when the Bucks ended up winning, I literally cried in the press box. I broke down in tears and I was just sobbing. And I was so excited for all of the players, for all of the coaches, uh, you know, watching them down on the field from the press box. 
just so excited for everyone in the organization and what it meant uh, that all their hard work was paying off like that. And then, cause like, and then also like Super Bowl, like the game itself was like the least stressful game that entire season. Yeah, that's true. It was, it was, it was very true. That was a very unstressful Super yeah. Bowl. But there also, there's something about playoff football at Lambeau and I covered the division game with the 49ers. Yep. And it's, there is just something, I mean, it was freezing. Luckily we're in the press box, so it's right. warmer in there, right. but it is freezing and it's January, it's Lambeau right. and there's snow and the, there's just something about it that's so cool. And those are the days where I'm like, I have a really cool job. Really? Yeah. You have those moments <laughs> for sure. And, um, the, the added bonus was that my dad and my brother got to be there because they, they drove up <gasps> oh, from Chicago that's... to be there and then they got oh, to come to the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. That was, that is, yeah. My mom was very nice. She, uh, she gave up her Super Bowl ticket for my brother, um, because she was like, I guess she's like, I suppose that he'll probably appreciate it more. Like she was like, it would be really cool to go, but like, I know your brother would just like die. And I was like, actually, right. we're also a very like superstitious sports family. And I was like, actually, ma, like since he was at the NFC championship game, like, yeah, like and you, they won, you just, she can't go. So I'm like, I you don't can't take that kind of chance. Right. I, I don't, I don't want to take that kind of chance. And like, I offered for her to go to the NFC championship game, but she was like, yeah, no, 25 degrees uh, for a primetime game up in Wisconsin. No, no, sweetheart. I'm not going to sit outside for all of that. And I'm like, I, I totally get it. I get to be in a press box. So, but my brother and my dad braved the cold. So I was like, they get to be rewarded with a Super Bowl. But I did run up um, because halftime is obviously longer for the Super Bowl. I don't usually mm-hmm. get this chance, but I ran up to my dad's seats. Um, and I got to watch the weekend with him for that game. Oh, that's awesome. So that's awesome. I've gone through like three moments now, but <laughs> that's okay. That's, but you know what? The, I, you're allowed, you know what? This is your podcast. So you're, this is your get my job. So you can, you can yeah, do whatever. That was, that was, yeah, that was amazing. What is your life motto? Um, as cliche as it is, cause I, I thought about this for a little while cause I don't know that I live my life necessarily by a motto, but then I realized that it really is just that everything happens for a reason. Um, it's something that has been proven to me over and over and over again, where something didn't pan out the way I wanted it to, something didn't pan out, like where I was convinced that that was what was meant for me and it wasn't. And when it didn't work out, it opened the door for something else that was even better than I could have ever imagined. That has literally happened to me my entire life. I can point to examples from when I was a kid, high school, college, whatever. Um, and it's still hard to trust that. But like I said, as cliche as it is, um, it's really comforting to be able to also kind of go back to that because when things aren't going so well, you can be like, well, all right, something is going to happen that is going to make this all worth it. And yeah, it always I, has. I, I believe that. I believe in that too strongly. So uh, what is your go-to workout? Peloton. I have a Peloton. <laughs> um, Amazing. And I'm obsessed with it and I love it. And um, as I've been kind of moving in this transitionary period, I haven't been on it near enough um, or near as much as I would like. But God, I love all the instructors. They're so fantastic. I, I mean, obviously my favorites, but um, it's, I grew up dancing. So um, things with music are really like motivating for me. Um so yeah, I am obsessed with my Peloton bike and have now moved it multiple locations and will not part with it ever. <laughs> what is your go-to? Well, you said earlier you drink tea. So I yeah. was going to say coffee, but what is your go-to tea order? Um, well, if I go out and get tea, it means that I can't make whatever that tea is for myself. <laughs> so Fair. I love um, Starbucks has this, although no free shouts, the, the coffee <laughs> shop that shall not be named. 
No, they have this, um, it used to be called the medicine ball, but now I think they actually added it to the menu. It's called honey citrus mint. And they use like okay. two different tea bags and they like steam some lemonade to go in there and there's honey and like, it's delicious. And it'll also cure if you like have a hoarse throat or whatever. Um, it's really soothing on your throat. So, so for those of us that talk for a living, um, it is fantastic and it tastes really good. So, and I can't make it at home. And that sounds delicious, but I'm definitely going to try that. Uh, and last but not least, a book every woman should read. Oh, gosh. Um, I, it's hard to pinpoint one. Um, I admittedly need to get more into some of the more like self-help stuff because like I said, reading has always been kind of an escapism for me. Um, I love a lot of the classics, like Wuthering Heights is one of my favorite books. Um, uh, as far as professionally though, also I would recommend highly, and I got a couple of girls actually in, uh, at the Bucks organization in on this book. It's called Take Your Eye Off the Ball. And it is basically a, an overview of the game of football, but it teaches you kind of how to watch it um, because we're conditioned because of broadcast angles and everything on TV to watch football in a certain way where you're following the ball. And you're missing 50 to 75% of what's actually going on on the field if you're just following the ball, maybe even more than that. Um, so it was just a really good, very concise way to frame how you can watch football a little bit more critically. So I would recommend that book by for anybody. Um, yeah, it's called Take Your Off Ball. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Carmen. This was awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I had so much fun. Absolutely. And if you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. We are brought to you by Bet Online, And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. I will talk to everybody next time. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.